Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another week's episode of Not D&D. Uh, we do have a guest with us this week, although if you're watching live, you won't be able to see them because their camera's not working. But in audio format, we do have Todd Foley here. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me on. I love your work. <laughs> no problem. Uh, so if you're listening to the podcast, obviously it won't be interrupted in any way. Uh, we are pre-recording this week's episode. So if you do have any questions, unfortunately, we can't answer them live. Uh, but Todd, where's the best place to people for people to find you online if, if they have some burning questions that I don't ask you this week? Uh, well, if they want to find me in- immediately, uh, mm-hmm. it's it's probably on Twitter. Okay. So at as if prods, there you go in the in the lower third there. Because mm-hmm. uh, I'm on Twitter all the time, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, I've got a whole bunch of links that should I should I just start dropping links? Sure, <laughs> or just just on the website there as well. You can uh, you can go to asif.press, which mm-hmm. is my publishing imprint. We would we, we release both fiction and role playing mm-hmm. and tabletop games there. Yeah, uh, and if you want to talk to me uh, about game design, mm-hmm. or perhaps if you're an author who's looking for editing, you can go to toddfoley.com. That's sort of my personal site there. That's great. And if you're listening to the podcast, those are both linked in the show notes below there. Um, But anyway, so getting into uh, what we're talking about, we're going to be talking about uh, your game Day Trippers. Uh, But before I jump in and talk about that, I always ask my guests um, what your background was in a role-playing game. So what what was the first game you remember playing? Uh, My first role-playing experience was D&D, of course. Uh, Okay, classic. My character was a level one thief named Bob. We were playing in the school cafeteria during lunch. Okay. And I had absolutely zero idea what was going on. My friend handed Mm -hmm. me this sheet of paper. He said, you're Bob. Just just go along with it. Just go with it. We uh, found a gelatinous cube, torched it. I went, oh, that's interesting. Okay. Dungeon. There's a guy who's the dungeon master, and he's got his notebooks propped up so that we can't see what's on the other side. But I'm starting to put together that he's got a map back there, and we're building a replica of his map as we encounter all the fictional things that he's created. I'm blown okay. away by this. The idea of... I mean, <laughs> I've always been a, um, a big reader, uh-huh. um, and the idea of just like, you know, did you guys have Gumby? Do you know what Gumby is? I, I don't. Tell I'm me. A, I'm a... I'm a, a borderline boomer Gen X. I'm 59 right now. Um, so Gumby was an uh, claymation children's television show from the late 60s, early 70s. Okay. And Gumby and his friend Pokey, who was a horse, uh, could go into any book. Literally, they would go into the book and then they'd be in the world of Robin Hood or whatever. Okay. This is, I don't know, in, in my 14-year-old mind, I'm thinking this is like you can walk into any book like yeah. Gumby. So right away, um, it it pretty quickly occurred to me that this is like a new kind of thing. I was taking creative writing. That was my, I was an English major in high school. Mm-hmm. And uh, this just sort of opened up possibilities for me. Like Gumby, mm-hmm. you can walk into any book. I went home that night. Oh, by the way, let me finish the story. 15, took 15 minutes for us to come across the thing that killed Bob. And it was oh. a, a dart in a chest. That, that there was a kind of chest. You're the thief. Go pick the lock. I sure. fail. I get hit by the poison dart and immediately die. That's it. Oh, that's that really harsh. <laughs> Zero idea what I was doing, what was going on, what this game was about. But I knew there was secrets behind that Dungeon mm-hmm. Master screen and these funky dice that you use. So I went home that night at the age of mm-hmm. 14 and designed my first role-playing game. Oh, wow. I had wow. no idea how they worked. It was called Doors, and mm-hmm. it was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But it had one interesting feature that I'm, I might pull it back and do another version of it one day. Because one thing that you don't see an awful lot of is uh, 
two people playing competitively against each other with an option to join up. Uh-huh. So the way that Doors was built, you're supposed to play it against another person. Mm-hmm. You're both randomly, really, designing a dungeon as you go, rolling one room, one room, one room at a time. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that you could roll was that you encountered the other person. Okay. And then what happens now? Well, I don't, I don't know. I wasn't really thinking about narrative structure so much as just possibilities, because in mm-hmm. my mind, um, the game master is. I, I, I don't, I don't dig pre-planned plots, and I don't. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I prefer to be as surprised as my players are. Okay. I look at role-playing games as really just one part the maybe the the best explored part of a huge ocean of possibilities of interactive mechanical fiction engineering Uh we're barely beginning to explore Mm -hmm. okay so we've discovered like two or three little islands close to the coast and we call one of them trad and we call one of them narrativism and Mm -hmm. we we just discovered a new one we call lyric oh uh, you know, but of course, the ocean includes things like AI and computer games and mm-hmm. interactive theater, parlor games, uh, anything that involves the deliberate mechanization of narrative fictional elements potentially is part of this whole body of work okay. of which yeah. role playing games is really just like sort of the tip of an iceberg or one visible yeah. island. Yeah. For for me, I always think of it as it's we're just telling stories together, and like human beings for thousands of years have just sat around campfires telling stories together, and this is just another way for us to tell stories. So yeah, yeah, I agree. Although within that that huge, I'm going to shift metaphors now from ocean to toolbox. Within that okay. huge toolbox, mm-hmm. yeah, you got it, sort of the the left side of the toolbox and the right side of the toolbox have different interests. You've got the sort of a more mechanical, crunchy, gamey mm-hmm. uh, type. And then over on the other side of the toolbox, you've got your flexible, collaborative, narrative, experiential, emergent story yeah. games. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one of those words we came up with, story games. Yeah. What does that mean? It means anyone who has narrative concerns. Is, there's no one way to write a narrative game, right? There's no sure. one way to be a writer. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, uh, when you encounter a new writer, one of the things you like about them is that they're actually doing something you've never seen another writer do. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Well, so, why should games be any different? Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. Well, thanks for that. I mean, <laughs> it's definitely something for us to, to just look and think about. It's so interesting to hear people's kind of perspective and philosophy on games. Um, so it's really clear you're somebody played games and immediately started creating them. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your background with games and all the different things uh, you do do now that you're not 14 years old and that you have all this experience <laughs> behind you. Uh, yeah, I, um, so I'm the forever GM of my group. I started 14. Mm-hmm. I'm doing Dungeons and Dragons. I ran a 10 year AD and D campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, we went from white box to three, five. So okay. that was basically is, um, around that point. And now, you know, I'm, I'm in my mid to late teens. Mm-hmm. We are, me and my friends are starting to explore their characters more than mm-hmm. particular adventures. And it's becoming, um, I'm as, as I get into writing, reading, and of course, just growing up, uh, the themes that we touch on become deeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we sort of grow out of the, the space, the creative space, which D and D presents. Mm-hmm. We begin exploring science fiction because I've always preferred science fiction to fantasy. I'm a sci-fi. Sure. Uh, uh, so I jumped over to Space Master. Now, at the time, we're talking 
uh, mid eighties, mm-hmm. uh, space master, roll master, the whole iron crown line was kind of the crunchiest of the crunch. It's a D 100 system with hundreds of tables and modifiers. They're okay. famous for their critical hit charts, which take pages and pages. They're all exploding percentile dice rolls with very specific, you can, you know, burst somebody's spleen or pop an eyeball, very, mm-hmm. very specific crit tables. That kind of high crunch game was what we all viewed as the way you need to go. Like mm-hmm. no matter what weird thing comes up, the GM has to have a number on your PC sheet somewhere mm-hmm. that they can quickly grab and average with something else and okay. roll a die. Or yeah. So you needed hundreds of numbers. You need lots, lots sure. of numbers. I started specializing in Iron Crown's work and running my Space Master campaign. I ended up writing a fan letter to Iron Crown, just expressing okay. how much I love their shit. And I oh, said, nice. uh, do you ever look at work from outside authors? Terry K. Amthor, RIP, the man was an illustrious, brilliant creator uh, who died just about two years ago. And he was my editor at Iron Crown. He wrote me back. This is back in the day mm-hmm. when you had to write physical letters and send yeah, them through the mail. Not even emails. Yeah. And yeah. We didn't even know there was no internet. And mm-hmm. I was amazed that he wrote me back. He said, yes, as a matter of fact, I'd like to see some of your stuff. Amazing. The stuff that I sent him got incorporated into the Space Master Companion. By the end of that year, I was writing for Iron Crown. So that's how it all started then. That's how your professional journey in the industry started then, just by being a fan. <laughs> by being a fan and writing a fan letter. And I think that's it's important to tell that story. I like telling that story because it means, you know what? A, go ahead and try it. You know, what's the worst mm-hmm. can happen? You don't get an answer. Yeah. But B, from the other side, like people write me now mm-hmm. because they recognize my name or they played cyberspace many years ago and it, it, it was like some sort of thing for them in their life. And now they're contacting me and saying, how can I do that? Well, you know, I'm happy to help. And I think that most creators are happy to help. It's not, yeah. there's no wall there. You yeah. know? So just go ahead and write that fan letter. Mm-hmm. You, you may make a friend, you may get a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, everything's possible. And yeah, like worst case scenario, it's always nice when you've made something as a tabletop creator and someone says, Hey, I like your stuff. It's, it's nice. <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that that story. Um, now, obviously, today we're going to be talking about your game uh, Day Trippers, um, which you, you sent me a message telling me about it, and I just I just love the setting. <laughs> um, so well, why don't you go ahead and introduce it to everybody? So so tell us about Day Trippers for for people that are that are unfamiliar. Well, let me. Okay, so I'm going to connect this to the my my bonafidos. Okay, yeah, segue. We love a segue. Yeah, so after a few years of writing for Iron Crown, um, pushing game design as far as I can go and thinking more about adult themes, thinking more about other forms of media, theater, television, movies, narrative structure, short story structure, three-act structure, the Freytag Pyramid, the Harmon Circle, all of these are important tools which I begin looking at and thinking, how can we take RPG design and push this into new mediums? Mm-hmm. So around the time my first kid was born and the book Cyberspace came out, it was my best-selling title for Iron Crown. Mm-hmm. That's 1989. Um, and broke away from tabletop role-playing because now I have a family to support. And I started uh, working with computers, which were still kind of new things. We didn't still didn't have an internet, but I began looking at interactive fiction and ways to program branching narrative. 
Mm-hmm. I started working on CD-ROM adventures. So I worked for uh, Judson Rosebush Company. I worked for Amazing Media. We did some titles for Times Mirror Magazine. CD-ROM adventure games were a thing for mm-hmm. a little while. And then here comes the internet. And I jumped right on that and started mm-hmm. creating MUDs, interactive worlds of fiction. It was completely text-based. Yeah. From that, uh, I got uh, some invitations to speak at a couple digital conferences, which led to other jobs doing design. I started working for a company called The Palace, which had a a client server software that was really revolutionary in 1995. It was the first two, maybe not the first, but among the first three, uh, 2.5D virtual world graphical chat systems. So you would type in your chat, cartoon balloon would appear above your character's head. Now, in the palace, you could theme your avatars and you could theme your backgrounds, and it was sort of a distributed network, so you could have your own little palace. Okay. You could set up your palace with your own backgrounds and your own library of avatars. It was very democratic in that sense. Mm-hmm. And some palaces were private affairs where you could talk, you know, BDSM or whatever your community was into, very okay, small, yeah. personal, yeah, yeah. specific spaces. But then there were other palaces, the opposite end, there were big corporate spaces that were paid for by large companies as part of their branding for a movie, a TV show, an artist, a band. And I began working with Comedy Central. So I created the World of South Park, which is a 200-room graphical online chat world Mm -hmm. with hundreds of avatar parts. You'd choose your head, your top, your bottom, your prop. You Mm -hmm. could make your own avatars. Me and a group of about 15 mostly volunteers, doing semi-scripted narrative structure in a 2D graphical world okay. with a theme of South Park. Yeah. Comedy Central, God bless them, they don't care if you if you run with their content. They're, mm-hmm. they're pro-piracy. They, okay. like you, they like you copying their stuff. They like you spreading it around. They mm-hmm. like becoming a meme, yeah. um, especially Matt and Trey over at South Park Studios. Mm-hmm. That they're very happy to participate in the chaos that is internet creativity. Yeah. And and from there they uh, they allowed me to do some crazy stuff. So I'm sure mm-hmm. that Comedy Central when they when they came to the Palace Inc and they said please build us a virtual chat world and we also want you to moderate it. They were not thinking that some guy was going to come in here and start doing semi-scripted live interactive theater with mm-hmm. their audience but that's what I did. And it gave me another test bed to play with basically LARPing. Yeah. It looks like it sounds a bit like that. Yeah. In a digital space. Yeah. And along the way, I'm also producing LARPs. So I wrote four of those and produced four of those. Really, okay, yeah. like I was saying before, any anything that deals with the mechanization of narrative or just creative fictional spaces. Yeah. Whether they're whether they're on CD, whether they're online, whether it's a live action role playing game, whether it's a tabletop, I see them as all related cousins in yeah. this huge family, and and it's that whole family that I am really an explorer of. Sure. So after a while, uh, things change. I come back to uh, the role playing world in mm-hmm. um, the mid 2010s, and yeah. the forge has come and gone. I'm kind of glad that I missed it because I would have got embroiled in all sorts of arguments there and would have wasted a lot of time. <laughs> yes, but, yeah. But thankfully, the Forge is still online in the Wayback Machine, and you can go and read some really amazing stuff that shifted the whole uh, table of tabletop. 
There was now something called story games. There were now people doing what I wish I had had words for in the early 90s. And they were called story games now. Mm-hmm. And there was something called narrativism. Mm-hmm. And holy shit, I, I had to jump in. I jumped in with both feet. I joined storygames.com. I started reading all of the stuff that had been written in the, in the 10 years previous, following the work of uh, Ron Edwards, following the work of Vincent Baker, opened up a lot of doors for me just conceptually. Mm-hmm. showing that some of the things that I've been thinking about, he's figured out ways to do uh, cinematically. Uh, it's just, it's just beautiful. When I, when I first read Apocalypse World, really just felt validated, mm-hmm. verified. And yeah. later I found that Vincent himself had been inspired by cyberspace back in the oh, day. Okay. So the circle, you know what? Yeah. yeah, reach yeah, out, yeah. Reach out. yeah. <laughs> it's a small world. Mm-hmm. So, I get into story game design. I want to do something abstract. I want to do something narrative. I want to do something that's the opposite of the crunchy stuff I was doing years before. Mm-hmm. I want something so abstract that, well, let's go all the way to surrealism. Okay. Because surrealism is the deliberate attempt to bypass conscious mind and draw on purely unconscious content, symbology, mood, feeling. That's that's what I want to reach out and touch, right? Okay. The player character sheet is like this membrane, and it's osmotic in both directions. You're bleeding into the world, and the world is bleeding back into you. I'm a pro-bleed designer. I aim directly for bleed. I want psychic contact with my players. And the mm-hmm. world is really just this veneer through which we are uh, sort of hypnotizing each other. Here comes day trip. What a this sentence! A yeah, <laughs> this is a, this is a setting designed to evoke the the greatest. Uh, oh, just pause that. that. Yeah, stop that. Do you want to just redo that intro bit? I can edit that out. No problem. Sure. Okay, so here comes the idea of day trippers, which I talked about with some people on the story games forum in like 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, surrealism led to a discussion of heavy metal magazine, which many of us oldsters had loved back in the day. And trying to evoke uh, that feeling in a game. How could you do something that was so off the wall, so unpredictable, uh, and yet work within the structure of a game? Day Trippers is my answer to that question. And surrealism is the method. And I feel in a way, especially those who run sort of OSR or Gonzo uh, settings, Mm -hmm. this approach is not so far from what a lot of GMs have done for a long time. That is, a -hmm. lot of random tables that you just sort of you roll on and then your brain sort of starts piecing it together and you don't know what you're going to come up with because it's, it starts out random. Yeah. Now the, the problem with a totally random gonzo approach, of course, is that it can generate utter nonsense. Sure. And we want to avoid that. This is why I lean towards surrealist techniques. Okay. Uh, so the attempt there is rather than utter nonsense, we want to get re- symbolic nonsense, which means that mm-hmm. it, you said it for a reason. You, your character may feel a certain way and I'm discussing that and I'm evoking that. And for some reason you're wearing blue, but you said blue, you chose that, right? That's Mm -hmm. not, that's not random. That's a psychic detail. What does blue mean to you? We can explore that. Is there something that you associate that with? Does this character associate with that? The closer Mm -hmm. I can bond you. And again, this is a lot of this. I sort of learned from watching Vincent Baker uh, talk about, his design methods and his GMing methods um, leads into, I later would start studying uh, NLP and conversational hypnosis. 
because mm -hmm. it does lean into those areas. But what I found is when you're playing a collaborative game, you want, and it doesn't necessarily work for all players, by the way. Some players mm -hmm. want tools from the other end of the toolbox. Sure. They want narrative to be a byproduct of a tactical maneuver or mm -hmm. a puzzle to be solved with a specific yeah. answer. That's a different type of game. Sure. I'm leaning toward the, the abstract end of the toolbox. So I want to make mm -hmm. sure that when we get something that's strange, well, you know what? It's strange for a reason because there's a reason you said that. And what we're really doing is we're not we're not in the fictional world. We're real people sitting around a table or you mm -hmm. know on Zoom or on StreamYard. We're having a conversation with each other and we're inflating what I think it was Ron Edwards who called it the shared imaginary space. Yeah. Uh, and this is in many ways that like an act of hypnosis that we help sustain. And then, of course, it gets into storytelling and art and character development. Sure. And there are ways to mechanize all of these things, mm -hmm. which comes along a little bit later. Uh, Day, Trippers is, Day Trippers is out of the gate designed to, uh, to produce any sort of world that a GM might want to take you to. So mm -hmm. because in the world of Day Trippers, we've discovered this technology that allows us to slip to other dimensions, but it turns out that you can go forward in time. You can go backward in time. You can okay. go sideways to an alternate earth. You can branch to an earth where everything's the same except for one detail changed and what might be the effect of that. Or you can go to bubble universes, which have their own laws of physics and their own laws of reality and have nothing to do with the earth that you know. Mm -hmm. Finally, you can go to dream universes, which are completely subjective and unstable spaces. All right, okay. Some of them created out of works of fiction, you can visit the works of Edgar Allan Poe in the form of a dream world, which exists as a bubble out there in the multiverse, not necessarily stable and possibly uh, manipulable by those with enough psychic power to do lucid dreaming. Yeah, we go all the way there because I want to evoke whatever's in the back of your mind and pull mm -hmm. it into this world and run with it as we go. Now, Day Trippers is great and fun and wacky, and you can put anything you want in there from dark dystopian sci-fi mm -hmm. to crazy Gumby LSD comic book gonzo material. You can really go anywhere with it. But after a few years of running, it was mostly by running the guys at Legends of Tabletop. So John mm -hmm. Haremza and John Neary and Jesse Pine. Um, and we now have a fourth member, Leslie Wilson, who's amazing. But in the day, it was it was just the three of us. These guys took their characters so seriously and they mm -hmm. played them so well that I began thinking about how could the same system be used for other genres, for other mm -hmm. media forms. And so after a while, I extracted what I considered to be the core of the Day Tripper system mm -hmm. and released it as Core Micro. So that's the engine of Day Strippers stripped okay. down to its barest essentials. I'm now working on Core Complete, which is the the giant 300 page exploded version of of core mm -hmm. core the creative options role playing engine is actually the engine underneath day trippers okay and okay. it's going to uh, it's going to enable us to to explore other genres using that same basic mechanic that's looking for character driven emergent psychic and symbolic content to drive the story that's basically the centerpiece of my like my thrust in design yeah. these days. Okay. So with the core system, so mechanically, what what's what's going on with it? Like how how would how would we sit down and play a game? What are the what are the rules? 
It's super simple and universal. So everything in the okay. game from uh, from combat to uh, some sort of social interaction or dialogue scene or pep talk or anything really operates using the same mechanic. There mm-hmm. is one table, the action resolution table. Mm-hmm. It is uh, your stats generated dice pool. It's all D6s. Okay. And if you have skills, gear, or other mod- other reasons, purposes, situational mm-hmm. advantages, those will provide modifiers to your role. Mm-hmm. You're rolling against either another person's role mm-hmm. or a difficulty level set by the, the GM. Mm-hmm. And that's the first part. So it's kind of like it's pool take highest plus mods versus difficulty, right? So okay. far, so good. You've yeah. seen that in Cypher. You've seen that in other games. But here's what's a little bit different about Core. Rather than generating a yes or a no answer, we're going to give you a yes or a no and maybe an and and maybe a but. Okay. And so the, depending on how you roll relative to the number that you were supposed to target, you may get the ability to add an extra mm-hmm. something. You get to narrate what it is. The players have a lot yeah. of control here. Okay. So it's, it's something that happens that is going to move the story on or do something interesting. It's not just, oh, no, you can't do the thing. Something's something's yeah. going to occur. Something's going to make us give us something to spark off. Um. So, oh, sorry. I'm, I'm taking care of it. Hang on. Uh, wow. Go ahead. Okay. Awesome. So, like you say, D6... Uh, system there so quite uh, simple and actions are kind of skill-based um i think is a key kind of selling point you had can you tell us you know a little bit about you know how you get the narrative interpretation how it shifts between the gm and the player as well because i know that was a key thing that that you mentioned uh well yes but even more so i mean it's a skill-based system yes it's a Mm -hmm. point by skill-based system um but you know i'm i'm really more interested in the narrative flexibility of Mm -hmm. the system I'm working with because Mm -hmm. I need it to be generative in both directions, right? I need it to Mm -hmm. spur you on, not limit you. I see you, I see you're the player. I see you as uh, a writer in the writer's room and I'm the showrunner Mm -hmm. of the show. So we're, we're working together to create the greatest TV show ever made, but our jobs are different. You Mm -hmm. focus on the, on your character development, backstory, emotion, drive, and I focus on making sure the world sort of makes sense as we tell the story of you. Mm-hmm. Um, so skill-based, yes, but let's be flexible about it. Let's If you have uh, uh, zero-G training, well, that, that you can probably mm-hmm. get a bonus from that if you're trying to do something underwater. If you have sure. prestidigitation skill and you tell me that you're going to try picking somebody's pocket I'm going to let you try that. I, I don't want to be precious about this stuff. I mm-hmm. actually the opposite. I want to be flexible about it because any good TV show, they're going to surprise you once in a while. Mm-hmm. When you when you start watching a new series, you sit down to binge a series on Netflix. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of that series, how well do you know these characters? Well, you don't. Mm-hmm. And you really don't need to. Sure. We can learn things as we go. And sometimes it's exciting to learn something about a character like well into the series. Like you yeah. never realized they were in the army mm-hmm. and they have PTSD about it. Mm-hmm. And that whole new character angle opens up. I want to allow that sort of creative flexibility. So I, I encourage players to interpret their skills very broadly. Okay. It's yeah. the story we're chasing here. Yeah. Amazing. And life shaping as well, because that takes up uh, quite a bit on the, on the PC sheet I've got on the screen here. Could you talk to us about life shaping? <laughs> it takes up a little less space now than it did in day trippers. Okay. Um, 
And because it turns out to not really be necessary. I, I put a maximum of 12. I don't know what mm -hmm. I was thinking. Um, it's difficult to get some people to come up with two, but I think it's okay. it's good to start with two. Okay. One of them is a motivator of some kind. Mm -hmm. There's something you want and you don't have it. Uh, and the other is a complicator. There's something that stops you from doing it or gets in your way or makes it hard or prevents you from being able. Okay. And the tension between those two things, you may have more, but at very minimum, the tension between those two life shapers, one driving you and one sort of blocking you, mm -hmm. is going to be where most of your character development comes from. And because I, I see myself as running, this isn't the story, this isn't you in my world. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is you and I together making a world around you. So it's the story of this character. Mm -hmm. Just like any TV show is the story of the main characters as they go through their lives and change and grow and struggle and succeed or fail. Mm -hmm. So these life shapers are basically the themes, right? The theme of your mm -hmm. character arc is going to come from them. Okay. And uh, it's at the very least, you know, the GM needs something to start with. Sure. We can develop, you know, NPCs and relationships and triangles and ethical dilemmas and you know, potential reward versus risk scenarios, all that will come. But when you start out, what do you have? You know, well, when you start writing a TV show, when you start writing image short story, the very first thing you need to know is what does the main character want mm -hmm. and what's in their way? Yeah. Everything's going to come from that. That's good. And I guess you can make that as broad or specific again as you like it, because it could be something as I, I want to be able to live a comfortable life and, you know, have nice things, but what's in my way? capitalism or, or you could have something a bit more like deep and introspective i suppose like what do i want my motivator i'm wanting a relationship with this person but what's in the way of that something happened between us in the past and now that's blocking us going absolutely forward. and because okay. that came out of your head this mm -hmm. is really you i'm talking to wink wink we're speaking through the character uh -huh, yeah. and if you if you go toward the first if i sense from you that there's sort of this anti-capitalist vibe well, then why, would I'm you, gonna... why would you say that about me, Todd? <laughs> <laughs> well, then I'm going to start bringing out my anarcho-socialist philosophy. I'm going to set up a dystopian pressure on you. I'm going to make you make difficult decisions, none of which are good because they're offered to you by false fronts with corporate mm -hmm. profit as their main motive, if that's what I'm feeling from you. But if what I'm feeling from you is this, you know, uh, we want to explore a love triangle and I'm going to start complicating that and, and mm -hmm. really just happens to take place in a dystopian backdrop, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's going to come from your life shapers though. So everything up to like even the genre and tone starts there and it's really you I'm talking to, but we can pretend it's your character. Sure. <laughs> okay. So um, in the game, so if somebody's looking to, to, to run a game of day trippers, a good way to approach that is get to get people to create their characters, get their life shaping, you know, get that aspect in place because that's really where the story is going to go. Um, how how would you recommend people that are new to to running a game in that way approach that? Or because I know some people are uh, feel a bit nervous about going on the fly and reacting off their players. That if if you're more used to like following an adventure path or something like that, how what what tips do you have for people from from moving from that style of play to this style of play? That's a great question, and it's one that I'm I'm noodling on, and maybe you know ninety mm -hmm. percent of toward the answer to in core complete. 
the GM section is going to handle a lot of the questions that you asked, but okay. they weren't they weren't handled in day trippers at all. Mm-hmm. What what I ended up doing is writing sort of like my my advice on how to extend day trippers became the day trippers mm-hmm. game master's guide. Okay, like, there it is on the screen. It came up mm-hmm. like uh, six or eight months after, and in there. And I'm not completely happy with it yet. I'm just going to admit that because and, and when you have a, a an area of interest that you're pursuing the cutting edge of, it doesn't matter what industry you're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may be young Wittgenstein versus older Wittgenstein. Uh, there will be situations in which you decide, you know what, I don't like the way that I did it before. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it differently this time. Mm-hmm. Core uh, is does not give you the same advice that you'll find in the Day Trippers Game Master's Guide. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it's real close, and if you're if you're trying to do that wacky, wide open, reality hopping thing that day trippers is, go ahead and pick up the game master's guide there because the essays in there are specifically aimed toward blowing the walls out, going gonzo surrealism. Okay, there are right. tables for everything. Oh, okay, everything. So you're not going to have to sit there and make roll. up stuff by yourself. There's there's some you know guidance for the tables and there things like that. There are crazy number of tables in there. There okay, are tables great. that are incompatible with each other. Okay. There are tables where you can roll NPC reactions. Another mm-hmm. one where you can roll NPC emotions. Those are actually different things, but it depends on your GMing style. And then sure. there are, there's a table where you can roll or choose, because why not? Roll or choose. Mm-hmm. Um, a whole narrative template. Mm-hmm. I think I have like 40 of them. Oh, okay, great. So if you want a little plot all set up for you, like you want to already know who there's mm-hmm. a bad guy and this is what they want and this is what's in their way and this is where the PCs come in and this is what they're trying to do, mm-hmm. you can roll one of those randomly and just fill in the blanks. Amazing. Again, that depends okay. on your GMing style. Yeah, I was about to say, so if you are more used to having an adventure path or a pre-written scenario and, and running your game that way, you could easily roll that up and and that could be a really easy transition for you there. So yeah. Yeah, there's even a flow chart in the Game Master's Guide okay. that shows you what order to step through all of the tables in, because th- there's a lot. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. If you wanted to just go completely gonzo, you could just roll everything the whole time. Just absolutely, the, the entire session could be absolutely random. Amazing. Now, that's not actually the way that I work. And the mm-hmm. later part, the later part of the GM section gets into the stuff I'm now rewriting in core, which talks okay. about narrative arc, pulling out that psychic content from your characters as you develop their character's theme. Mm-hmm. This is the stuff that it's not only GM dependent, it's also player dependent. Sure. Yeah. Some some people just aren't down for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I, so I guess it's like seeing what suits your table and having a discussion about the kind of game that you want to play and, and then running with that, what everyone kind of wants to play. Um, I'm going to I'm going to jump back into a little bit about the characters as well, because we kind of talked about, you know, characters and your stats and your skills and things like that. Um, but you've mentioned it's kind of a progressive point by, and there is a way to kind of level up or grow your characters as you, you go through the game. Um, yeah. Could you talk us through that a little bit? Uh, again, this is going to be expanded in core complete. And that mm-hmm. there's also some expansion in core micro uh, in day trippers. You're spending your experience points, so XP and mm-hmm. character points. It's basically the same thing. It's a one for one ratio between XP and character points and also um, mega bucks. Because the world is, the, 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 you know, the capitalism in, in the day trippers universe. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So here's, here's another, here's another yeah. product I can tie in here. Cause I'm also working mm-hmm. on the ubiquity game masters source book. Okay. Ubiquity is a, a fictional environment, which grew out of day trippers. 
because I mm -hmm. had players asking me, well, what's the rest of the world of day trippers like? And yeah. I leave that an open question because I want every GM to be able to do that themselves. But mm -hmm. I do hint at this sort of capitalist uh, landscape where uh, I wouldn't quite call it dystopian because some people it's like they're having a great time it's, it's like sure. the, the golden age of mankind but uh, of course there's great economic disparity and mm -hmm. i had to answer a lot of questions about well what is it going to look like 100 years in the future i don't want to get too dark i don't want to get too crazy and i've been wrong before i wrote cyberspace in 1988 mm -hmm. and in that book i've got the cold war extending all the way into the late uh, the 21st century but of course in the very next year the wall comes down the berlin wall comes down so it's like i'm already wrong the book had been out <laughs> for less than a year and i'm already wrong so i i didn't want to do that i wanted to stick close to something that you know without going too far into speculative fiction what's the next hundred years going to be like started doing a lot of research that came together in a series of short of anthologies i've now put two of them out with a a, a group of authors the Ubiquitous City series, which is soon going to be released as a GM source book, it, it all starts from day trippers answering the questions that players were asking. What's what's the world of day trippers like? And it turns out, if I don't want to get too speculative or gone so we're crazy, aside from the fact that day tripping has been invented, mm -hmm. I'm looking at I'm looking at an extension of a neoliberal order, mm -hmm. which is basically hyper capitalism on steroids, every surface covered in advertising yes there is a universal basic income but it was begrudgingly agreed to in order to quell revolution and mm -hmm. corporations have taken the role of governments there <laughs> that's what the world of day trippers is like amazing and i guess some characters that you make might be choosing to go day day tripping is that what you'd call it day tripping yeah yeah you choose to go that to maybe escape that or in some way because obviously when you can do that you can go to any other world where anything else has happened and it's it's not like that so well, um, for sure and uh, i you know you've got to give it to the cyberpunk or i would say post cyberpunk settings i call mine fractopian because mm -hmm. of that quality we're like so for some people it really is the golden age mm -hmm. and for for other people uh it you know it the gap between the top and the bottom has just grown more and more and now our lives are even more dominated tracked monitored and resold to them by massive corporations with even more power than governments so you know it's there's both good and bad in this there are robots mm -hmm. but the robots are tracking you and selling you your own life back you know <laughs> it depends what side of the economic divide you're on this neoliberal dream is really wonderful for some people yeah <laughs> but um, and you've got i guess to admit yeah. that, that backdrop if you're, if you're the sort of person who's going for a, a narrativist emergent collaborative experience, right? that backdrop is just rife. It's dripping with sarcasm. It is prime for ethical dilemma, mm -hmm. right? And I suppose depending on the player's interest, you could choose which side you know you are or in it or what place you have in that kind of world as well, depending on what you want to explore in it. Um, yeah, you could be mm -hmm. that corporate mercenary who just, you know, does whatever black deed has to be done for the money without mm -hmm. any any care. Or, uh, or you could be like the players in my day trippers campaign who who left a good job because they wanted they wanted them to fight on one side of a civil war on a planet of lobster people with whom they had no argument. How are we to choose a side in this war? Well, it's the side that's paying the most, obviously. 
Oh. They walked away from that job. You know, that's up to you. I want to tell yeah. the story. That's quite a story there. <laughs> yeah. I'm amazing. So if, you don't if, have to go fight yeah. on the planet of the lobster people. <laughs> but you can if you want. <laughs> amazing. So if people um have, have you know heard of what we're saying about day trippers and they're interested in picking up a copy, where's the best place for them to to go and grab a copy of the game? Uh, well, I link to it from everywhere, right? So toddfoley.com, you can probably get to it from there. And asif.press, mm-hmm. uh, you can get it there. So you can buy it direct from me there. But of course, mm-hmm. I'm on itch. Mm-hmm. And the number one uh, point of sale, like we were talking about earlier, for mm-hmm. everybody in the industry is drive through RPG. I'm there. Uh, okay, as a matter great. of fact, Core is listed in the systems dropdown up there. Oh, okay, it, great. It took some time. And for those game designers in the audience, I'll just I'll just tell you, you have mm-hmm. to have at least three other publishers, not you, writing okay. for your system. And then you have to write you may have to write more than one time. There are busy people over there. But sure. you write OBS and politely ask them to look and see if they could add you to the drop down. It took me about a year, a year and a half, but I got okay. on there and you can do it. There you go. So you could just so search that means for the that core you can go, system. You yeah. can search for core and you'll find all mm-hmm. of my stuff. Yeah. Perfect. Great. And um, I noticed there's a bit of a, a, a discount you're having on at the moment. Yeah. Well, you know how they do these sales all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I participate. Yeah. <laughs> Great. So I think if you're watching this today uh, is Monday the 13th when it's coming out. I think the sale is lasting today and tomorrow. Um, so if you wanted to check out the link on RPG to get it at a discounted rate, now is the place and there is the there is a place and now is the time. There we go. I got that now right is, in the end. Now is the there and place is the time. Oh, what a perfect uh, way to mess up speaking in this for this game. Like it, it would fit here. Perfect, you, I'd be yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. I'm from a place where that's that made sense. <laughs> Amazing. One thing is it does make sense because I'm hearing your meaning, not your words, and that's kind of like that's kind of what I'm getting at here. So like, no, no matter no matter what the game is about, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's your words, your feelings, whatever comes out of you. That's that's what I'm going to focus on, and that's what I feel that. Uh, both core and day trippers are aiming at and my my whole my whole GMing technique and my whole design technique is for those people who want to facilitate and collaborate and zoom in on that the stuff that's like psychologically meaningful and you may not even know why. Let's explore that. Yeah. Amazing. Um, Todd, thank you so much for coming on and talking about day trippers with us. Is there anything else you'd like to kind of share about the game, or is there a question I I should have asked that I, that I forgot to, or or just or just some closing closing summary you'd like to give about the game and, and core system? Uh, well, when it comes to the core system, like I say, I'm working on core complete, and uh, mm-hmm. you can you can ask me for a copy of the mechanical beta, and I will give it to you because we've been playtesting it for about a year now. Okay. Um, making the final tweaks on it. But there's also Core Micro is out. And what I would love to see is other people taking the Core Micro system and building worlds that I never would have even thought of. Okay. That delights me. Some some writers hate fanfic. I love it. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Okay. Well, there's an inv- open invitation for anybody listening to do that then, I guess. Um, Todd, my last question, though, um, which I did warn you about before we started recording, is do you have any recommendations for any other kind of indie tabletop RPGs? Uh, the rules are it can't be Dungeons and Dragons, obviously, and uh, it can't be a game that you've written as well. Well, I've already touched on Apocalypse World. And if you mm-hmm. haven't read Apocalypse World or played any Powered by the Apocalypse games. And if you're interested in narrative, cinematic, emergent technique, 
then I think it's a must read. Um, whether or not you actually run it, you need to read that book. Mm -hmm. Vincent Baker takes an approach to GMing and to game design that just really blew me away. It opened my eyes and validated all of these theories I'd had for years. So I would recommend reading that even if you don't run it. I also want to throw in one more. Sure. Uh, and that is Archipelago. It is mm -hmm. the most narrative of the narrativist games. And it's the place I lifted the yes, no, and but from. Ah, I love okay. that mechanic. Uh, and again, this is this is not for the people who want the crunchy side of the toolbox. This mm -hmm. is for the people who want the emotive, emergent, narrative, collaborative side. Mm -hmm. Read Apocalypse World and sit down with some creative friends and play Archipelago. Amazing. That's some great advice. Todd, thank you so much for coming on and uh, sharing all your thoughts about games and, and sharing, sharing day trippers with us. I do really appreciate your time. I love that you were interested and I love your show. <laughs> thank you for having me on you're very welcome and if you're also watching or listening and you enjoy the show you'll be pleased to hear we'll be back next week with another guest uh, so you can watch us live every monday at 10 p.m uh, uk time uh, and that'll be on twitch or live streaming wherever you can watch that or you can listen to the podcast wherever fine podcasts are heard and that's all for this week thank you very much mm -hmm.